Thank you for checking out our message here at Candy's Creek City Church. We exist to develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. We want to make you aware of how we can better connect with you through our social media app. Just go to any app store and search for Candy's Creek City Church. Through this, you can find out more about us as a church. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, it is 15 days after the New Year's. It's January 15th, so we're two weeks in. So we wanna start today with just a brief New Year's resolution update. Everybody okay with that? So here's what you need to do. Now, we're all packed in here, and let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room that there's no room for elephants in the room because we're just packed. But this is an awesome problem, okay? I would much rather have this problem than others. So we praise God that we're in here. Uh, From a leadership standpoint, we have some changes coming that we're working on that will help this relief this, and so just hang in there with us. Thank you for being here. I think it's pretty exciting that we're all together. So pick a partner, somebody close to you. You're surrounded. This shouldn't be hard. So go ahead and pick someone. If you need to introduce yourself, you can introduce yourself and designate person one and person two. Person one and two. All right, here's what you're going to do, okay? Person one, you're gonna give a New Year's resolution update anywhere in the scale of, I hate New Year's resolution, I stopped that, too. I'm killing it and doing awesome. So you got 30 seconds, person one, share your update, ready, go. Person two, give your update. Person two, ready, go. All right. Go ahead and wrap up that conversation. There's at least some enthusiasm in the room. Now, we, you've talked to an individual, but just for a show of hands for all of us to see, how many of you are attempting some form of New Year's resolution this January? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. How many of you just are done with it? You've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, you threw the T-shirt away because you hated it so much. Anybody? Okay, so we're all in different places. New Year's resolution actually saw on social media that some of you guys uh, chose a a word for the year, and I think that's a really cool idea. And so just hold that thought about resolutions. And now I wanna ask this question by show of hand. Well, don't don't raise your hand yet. We're gonna ask the question, how many of you love change? Now, before you raise your hand, here's what I mean by this. Like, you love change so much that you actually brush your teeth with different hands every day that's supposed to stimulate your brain. Maybe you do that. You like drive different ways to get places. I mean, you're looking for the newest fad. Anybody in the room just love change? You're all about it. You're changing stuff all the time. Raise your hand. Okay, a few people around the room. How many of you are kind of in the middle on change? And what I mean by that is if it's your idea, you're all about it. If it's not your idea, you're probably not all about it. And you're just kind of, anybody like that? Okay, good. How many of you absolutely like loathe change? You hate it. You don't want anything to ever change. Raise your hand. All right, very good. Look, if you are wondering 
If you are a person who hates change, let me just give you a scene from a classic family with someone who doesn't like change. So your family makes plans and you're gonna do something one evening and as you make those plans, something happens that just shatters your plans, it's out of your control and if you have a family member that loathes change, suddenly you don't really care about the change that occurred in navigating it, all you care about is who's gonna tell mom? Or who's gonna tell dad? And it's like, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. No, I told him last time. You gotta tell your brother. And it's just terrible. So I get that we all have different feelings about change. So back to the resolution thing. Raise your hand one more time if you're trying some type of resolution. Okay, a few of you. Now raise your hand if there is something in your life that you would like to change. Like, like your life is not perfect. There's something in your life that you'd like to change. So most people have their hands up or otherwise you're so crowded you can't stick your hand up. The point is this, we all want to change in some way. And even if we hate change and even if we've sworn off New Year's resolutions, I think that deep down we actually recognize the value of change even as we hate it. And here's what I think Here's a truth that I think a lot of us have, have come to grips with, even if we don't want to admit it, and that's change is an irreplaceable component of progress. That change, whether we like it, whether we don't like it, whether we're doing a New Year's resolution or whether we're not doing a New Year's resolution, that change is an irreplaceable component of progress. Quite frankly, it is impossible to completely avoid change and get better. It's just impossible. So today, with that thought in mind, we begin a series that I'm, I'm absolutely jacked about. And, and I'm like weird, and I've been looking forward to this day for a long time, and I'm really excited that everybody's back, and I know that's really weird. But I am so excited, because we're beginning a series today, and it's called Rebrand. And as we begin this series, I, I, one of the reasons I'm so excited is this graphic. Do you guys not love this? That's awesome. We got Evie West up here. And, and I just wanna say this real quick. This was made by our creative team. Our production team made sure it was up here. Look, we have awesome serve teams. And our serve teams give all of us the ability to use our gifts. Maybe your thing isn't making awesome graphics like this. Maybe your thing is something else. But whatever your thing is, we have a place here for you to serve. And so we would love for you to sign up. Our email is gonna be on the screen. You can right now stop listening to me. Just send an email and say like, serve, and we'll contact you just like you want to serve because there's so much joy that comes from using your gifts to spread the fame of Jesus. All right, so back to the series. That's just the graphic. I told you I'm really excited. So like, let's get to the series. Here's the thing about the series. The series is a journey that's focused on rebranding. And throughout this series, God will challenge us to let him rebrand certain ideas, certain habits, certain places, and, and, and I'm crazy enough to believe that God wants to even rebrand some of our core identity. I'm praying, I'm praying and expecting that God would rebrand some of you from people who don't follow Jesus to people who are Jesus followers by the end of this series. So if that's you and you're here, just watch out because prayer is powerful. And I'm praying that some of you walked in today and you're just struggling with insecurity that by the end of this series, you're gonna be moving towards confidence that when some of you, when you look at situations and people in your life and you just see limitations that by the end of this series, you're gonna see opportunity. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series is because for the past several months, God has had me, he's led me on a journey of rebranding. And I'm on this journey, it's a journey from 
rebranding from an overstressed perfectionist who tries to control every element of his schedule to a leader who's passionate and driven and is trusting God to control his schedule. And look, I'm a mess and I get it wrong a whole lot more than I get it right, but I'm headed in the right direction by the power of the Holy Spirit within me. And we're not gonna walk out here today and we're not even gonna end this series and have it nailed. But the goal is that we would lean into this invitation of Jesus to let him rebrand us and that we would change over the course of this series. Because here's the deal, as I've been on this journey, I want some company. I want some company. So will you come with me? Will you join me? And let's see what God has in store for us. Because if you're here, and, and, and even if, if you're saying, man, I, I really just hate change, it's still an irreplaceable component of progress. And it's a tool. It's a tool that God wants to use in our lives. So maybe today, God can just rebrand the idea of change from this thing that we just hate, from this thing that we dread, from this thing that we only like when it's our idea and we hate it when it's everybody else's idea. Maybe he could just rebrand change in this irreplaceable component of progress. And if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, I think that in January, a season of resolutions, and by the way, resolution just means changes, that in January, the season of resolutions, I really think that God could use this talk and the whole series to make your life better, even if you don't believe in God. And hopefully, we're praying, just be honest about this, we're praying that by the end, you will at least be more interested in Jesus than you are now. So would you join me? Let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to take us on a journey where we're different at the end than we are today on January 15th. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, would you move in us in powerful ways? Father, would you draw people to your son, Jesus, and would you change us? Would you change the way we think about change, even today? And would you show us how you wanna lead us on this journey? We're leaning into you, we need you, and we're really excited to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, we're gonna be in Luke chapter five, so feel free to turn or click there. It's also gonna be on the screen. We'll be in Luke chapter five, verse 33, and we're gonna begin with the scene from the life of Jesus, because he's the one who has the ultimate power to change any circumstance in our lives. So we begin with a scene from Jesus in Luke chapter five, verse 33. And here's what the word of God says. It says, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. So we're gonna stop there for just a moment. And we read that, it really, it's a statement, but it's really functioning like a question because these words here, they're, they're asking, they're soliciting a response. In fact, this story is in both Matthew and Mark. And so we're gonna look at this story in this actual verse in Matthew and Mark, and we're gonna see that this actually shows up in the form of a question. It'll be on the screen for us. Here's the way Matthew put it. Why do we and, and the Pharisees fast? Your disciples do not fast. It's a question. And then Mark said, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And here's what's going on. Change has occurred. Jesus' disciples are acting differently than other people and they're being questioned because when you change things, people ask questions, don't they? When we change things, people ask questions. You, you took a new job and someone's gonna say, hey, what was wrong with your old one? You changed your major. Well, why did you change your major? Oh, you're dating him? Tell me about it, which means like, what's going on? I got some questions here. 
And then, hey, you lost weight. Man, girl, you looking good in those jeans. How'd you do that? That New Year's resolution kicking in early. Like, you gotta tell me your secrets, right? When we change things, people ask questions. And they may ask how, especially if you lost weight. They really don't wanna know how. They may ask how. Their questions may take various forms. But there's one question that really supersedes all others when it comes to change. And it's the question of why. Deep down, what we wanna know is why. Hey, you took a new job, but, but why this job? You, you changed your major, but why this major? You're dating this new guy, but why that guy? Of all the other guys, it's like, seriously, why him? Or it's like, wow, why him? But either way, the question is, why? Why this guy? And when you lost weight, when you lose weight, look, the reality is we all know on some base level how to lose weight. You simply burn more calories than you take in. Like, we kind of get the how, even if we don't want to do it. The real question is, why? What motivated you, because why is motivating. And so when we see people that have made good changes in their lives, we ask why, thinking that if we can figure out what is motivating them, then maybe it will motivate us too. And the reality is when it comes to change, not all change is good. Not all change is good. There are some things that should never, ever change. For us as Jesus followers, for us as a church, some things that should never change. Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. Jesus came to earth and he was God in human form. Jesus lived a perfect life, never made any mistakes. Jesus died on the cross for my mistakes, for your mistakes, for the mistakes of everyone in the past and everyone in the future. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, and he is the only way Jesus is the only way for us to have the relationship with God that we are designed for, but that we do not deserve. He's it. That will never change. But in other areas of our life, how do we know if the change is good or bad? Here's how. The why determines whether the change is good or bad. The reason the question of why rises above all other questions and supersedes them is because the why determines whether the change is good or bad. And in this story, the real question is why. See, Jesus' Jesus's disciples, well, that's really hard to say, Jesus' disciples are acting differently than the disciples of John and the Pharisees. And just to make sure we're on the same page, here's just a little background. The, the Pharisees are religious leaders in the day, and they are very legalistic. Here's the deal. They're prideful. They're self-righteous. They're self-consumed. They're elitist. Have you ever met anyone like that? Look, some of you are pointing, and that's offensive. Don't point at people in the room, okay? That's like, they may not come back. But, but really, do you like being around people who have that elitist, I'm better than you, I'm always judging you mentality? I don't. So that's the Pharisees, and their lives were based on rules and regulations and rituals. And then you have John's disciples, and they are simply followers of this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's entire role was to prepare the way for Jesus. So as Jesus came on the scene, here's what John did. He willingly faded further and further into the background to push Jesus to the center of the stage. So what that means for his disciples is that they're also naturally getting pushed further and further into the background. So as this question is asked, there really could be some jealousy. Like, hey, we're doing this. 
The Pharisees are doing this, but Jesus, your disciples are doing something different. Why the change? And, and here's, here's what they're talking about. They're talking about this thing called fasting. And just real quick, here's what fasting is. Fasting is giving up something in order to focus more on God. We think about it in terms of, of food, but it's so much more than food. It can be something as simple as, hey, for on Tuesday, I'm not gonna check social media all day so that way I can focus more on God. It's just very simple. I give up something in order to focus more on God. And, and the question is this. The disciples of John and the Pharisees, their prayers are accompanied by fasting, but the prayers of Jesus' disciples are accompanied by celebrating. So everybody's praying. If you look at verse 33, it says, hey, the disciples of John, they fast often and offer prayers. Yours eat and drink. Everybody's praying. But Jesus's crew, they're praying and celebrating. John's crew and the Pharisees, they're praying and they're fasting. And so fasting isn't even really the big issue. We need to know what it is. The big question is why? Why is this change. And look at verse 34 as Jesus begins to answer their question. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Now look, if you're here and if you don't read the Bible, you should really read the Bible. It's awesome, okay? And because when you read the Bible, like Jesus just does some strange things and, and to be honest, some frustrating things. Here Jesus does this typical Jesus thing where you ask him a question and what does he answer with? A question, it's unbelievable. His audience had to be frustrated. They had to be like, here he goes again. I'm read the Bible, you'll find it in there. It's like, here he goes again, a question with a question. Why can't he ever just answer us for crying out loud? So he answers a question with a question. Then finally in verse 35, he makes a statement. They're like, whoa, this is new statement. Jesus, this is good. Verse 35, it says this. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in those days. So at least makes a statement. But they're still confused. They're like, we're talking about fasting, and all of a sudden you're talking about a wedding. Like, Jesus, what? Where are you going with this? Here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is establishing the why. And here's what Jesus is saying. He says, think about a wedding. And so just to put it in our modern day terms, at a wedding, everything revolves around the bride and groom. We've got a recent bride and groom right here, got married in December. At Austin and Katie's wedding, everything revolved around them. In other words, when they walked in, you were quiet. You watched them, you listened. When they went to the reception, guess what we all did? Oh, it's reception time, we just followed. When they left, everybody left and cleaned up. Everything revolved around their presence. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the groom. And the behavior of my disciples is predicated on my presence. In other words, every aspect of the disciples' lives revolved around the presence of Jesus. And if we keep reading, which we will in a minute, Jesus is gonna begin to contrast the new and the old. And here's why, here's what Jesus is really saying. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm inviting you into a new way of life where everything revolves around me. Decisions about whether we're gonna fast or not fast go to Jesus, it all depends upon Jesus. Jesus is here, and because he's here, everything centers around him. And that's really what it means to be a disciple. A disciple, Jesus follower, it means the same thing. And here's what Jesus is saying, it's on the screen, that every aspect of our lives should revolve around 
Jesus. And to get this story, we have to understand that this was a huge change. This is a big departure from the way of life that the Pharisees and John's disciples lived in. John's disciples followed John around. So suddenly Jesus says, hey, don't follow John, follow me. The Pharisees were ruled by tradition, by rituals, by regulations. You follow these rules, you fast at this time, you do this other ritual, and if you obey enough rules, if you practice enough rituals, then God is pleased with you. And Jesus shows up, and he displaces the rules and rituals with himself. And he said, it's no longer about the rules and rituals. Suddenly, it's about me. And this is the new way of life that Jesus proposes. But if I'm reading this and I'm just sitting at home doing my Bible study, I've gotta admit, this cuts pretty deep. I can't just read this and think, oh, that's cool, they're doing a great job and move on because every aspect of my life does not revolve around Jesus. I'm not imitating him in my every moment. I'm not inviting him into everything I do. It's just not where I'm at. And to be real, Often that's my desire, but sometimes it's not my desire. Sometimes I just wanna do my thing and like, Jesus, you leave me alone and I'll do my thing and then we'll talk later. Anybody with me on that? Like I think if we're honest, if we self-reflect, I don't think any person in the room can say, oh yeah, I'm nailing that. Like every aspect of my life revolves around Jesus. So maybe that's one of the changes that God wants to bring us to. Maybe today, He is inviting us into a life of continuous change so that more and more of our lives revolve around him. And at this point in the story, some of you, if you're like me, you're like, yes, yes, that's what I want. Like, forget the other New Year's resolutions. That's it. If if every aspect of my life could just revolve around Jesus, or if Jesus would just help me change this one thing, man, that's what I want. And you're just like screaming on the inside. You're like, yes, let's go do it. That's what I need. That's what I want. Jesus, I'll follow you. But here's the problem. We walk out that door. It's so much harder, isn't it? So what's the deal? Why is it so hard at our community group this week? And if you're a guest, our community groups are in-home Bible studies that meet all over our city. In our community group this week, this very question came up. One of our guys asked, why is it so much harder when I just walk across the threshold of the door to make the change that I know I need to make right now? Anybody been there? It's like, I want to do it. I'm ready, Jesus, I'll follow you. And then we walk out there and we go to lunch and we go to class and we go to work and there's no change. And I think we all know that we're not gonna walk out of here and just nail it right away, but it's like, could we at least be nailing it a little bit better tomorrow than we are today? But we see a lack of progress. So we want change, but for some reason we can't change. So why is that? Why is change so stinking hard? Well, Jesus gives us some insight through a parable. In verse 36, he says this, he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. Now just, we're gonna answer the question and Jesus isn't like crazy and going out here, he's actually brilliant and we'll see his brilliance in just a minute. But so Jesus all of a sudden starts talking about washing or or about sewing things and and patching up clothes. Now, by show of hands, how many of you have ever washed a load of clothes? Raise your hand. 
How many of you like to wash clothes? I like to, if you like wash, if you don't like it, just look at us and we'll do it for you for money. Um, but here's the thing, okay? How many of you have ever bought a shirt, a pair of pants, something, and it fits perfect? Like it is just perfect. You look so good in it. And it, I mean, it's just awesome. And then you wash it and what happens? You know, if you're like me, you're too cheap to buy a new shirt. So that's the shirts that you just fold up because you're like, Yep, it doesn't reach all the way, but I'm just gonna wear it like this. Anybody done that? Like, trying to figure out how I can still wear it because I'm, I'm too cheap to go buy a new shirt, right? So that's the deal. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, he's referring to something we all know, that when clothes get wet, they shrink. So here's what he says. If you take a previously shrunk old shirt and you put a brand new piece of cloth in it and you sew it together, then when you wash it, the new patch is gonna shrink and you're still gonna have a hole. You can't fix the problem when you mix the new with the old. And then Jesus goes on. Again, he's, he's just brilliant. He says in verse 37, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And it's like, oh, what is Jesus saying here? In this time period, wine was stored in animal skins. And so what happened is over time, these old wine containers, they would become hard. And new wine is still undergoing a process called fermentation. It means it's changing from basically grape juice into wine. And in this process of fermentation, it's, it's expanding. It's letting off pressure and letting off gases. So if you take this new wine that's fermenting and you pour it into this old, hard wine skin, what's gonna happen? gonna break, you lose your wine, you lose your animal skin, you lose everything. So what they would do is they would take new wine and pour it into fresh animal skins because they were still soft, they were still malleable. So as they poured it in and as the wine fermented and as it expanded, then the leather, the animal skins gave it room to do that. See, Jesus is brilliant and to make sure that we don't miss his brilliance, well, let's take this into modern day. See, I have with us a coffee. Anybody like coffee in the room? Yes, okay. I have a white chocolate mocha from Starbucks. Maybe one of our local breweries. Anybody like white chocolate mochas? Anybody, anybody want this right now? Okay, right, okay. I do, personally. But here's the deal. This coffee has been sitting in my office since Friday. Does that look really good, Cameron? I mean, just, oh, it looks great. You wanna drink it? Uh, you might actually drink it. I'm not gonna let you do that, but... Okay, so now that you understand that this coffee has been sitting in my office since Friday, even if you love a white chocolate mocha, do you want this? Probably not, it's disgusting, right? And it's not been like refrigerated or anything. Some of you are like, I'd put that in the refrigerator and drink. No, it's not been refrigerated, it's been sitting out. This is bad, so it's old, we get that. So I have some brand new coffee here. This is actually Starbucks Kenyan Blend Coffee. We talked about Kenya earlier, okay? So if I just take this brand new hot coffee and I pour it in the old, oh, look at those bubbles. Now, do you guys want this? You sure? We, we've got the new, it's mixed in. I'm telling you, this stuff, it smells good, it's great. Anybody want this coffee? What's wrong with it? It's still got the old, right? It's disgusting. You can't just take brand new coffee and mix it with the old, but I've got a new mug here from Romania, from our Romanian mission team. And so if I pour this fresh, hot Kenyan coffee in here, now does anybody want this fresh cup of coffee? Sure, you can have it. Cindy, you want it? Awesome. There you go. Perks is sitting on the front row. You guys should try it sometime. <laughs> now, can you, is it good? Can you taste it and let us know? 
There's more, you, you can sneak up here afterwards and get more coffee. It's good, right? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this. To embrace the new, you must release the old. This is why we struggle to change, because we're holding on to the old latte. And then we try to pour the new into the old latte, and it's still disgusting. Now, we see that about coffee, but so often we miss that in our own lives. The reality is that if we want to embrace the new, we have to release, we have to get rid of the old. And one of the exciting elements of this season that we're in, this journey called rebrand, is that God is not only inviting us as individuals on a journey of rebranding, but he's inviting us as a church to a season of change. So if you're a guest, just to give you a little bit of our history, in January of 2014, we were planted as a satellite campus of Candy's Creek Church. And we began to meet at Bradley Central High School. Any Bear fans in the room? Go Bears. All right, thank you, good. Boo, Raiders, and everybody else, sorry. Uh, that was meant to be offensive. But anyway, so go Bears, okay? Go Bears. So we started, we met at Bradley Central High School. And we were called Candy's Creek City Church, and here's why. We were a part of Candy's Creek, and they were like, they were like 15, 20 minutes outside of town. They're a rural campus, and we were in the middle of the city, so our name made complete sense. But all along the plan, the plan for us was to grow into an independent church. And so in July of 2016, praise Jesus, we were able to grow into independent church and we're no longer part of Candy's Creek Church. It's like they birthed us, grew us up, moved us out and cut us off from everything. So we've been kicked out of the house and we're on our own now. So we're still called Candy's Creek City Church. So what that means is when we introduce ourselves, people are often like, oh, so you guys still with Candy's Creek? And it's like, well, no, we used to be with them and they started us and we love them, but now we're no longer with them. And that's just a little bit of confusion. That's not like terrible, but the reality is you may be in this room if this is you, but someone, part of our church family actually, or wanted to be part of our church family, drove 15 to 20 minutes into the country to the Candy's Creek campus. And the issue with that is they lived on 17th Street. I don't know if you know your geography, we're on 17th Street, okay? So they were like here and drove out there. So our name at this point has been great, but suddenly there's some confusion surrounding us. So in the summer, our elders began to realize that, hey, we needed to rebrand. That God was gonna invite us to change our name. So the simple change would be, okay, we'll just drop Candy's Creek and we'll be City Church. The problem is there's a city church in Chattanooga. I was actually at a birthday party of one of our young ladies and my wife and I were there and I was talking to some of her family friends and this guy was like, so what's the name of the church and a Candy's Creek City Church? Are you with Candy's Creek? No, and I kind of explained, we used to be with them, we're independent now, it's cool. So are you a city church in Chattanooga? No, we're not with them in Chattanooga. And so there's just this confusion, plus the reality is that in 2016, you need an easily recognizable web presence that just helps people find you. So if you go to our app store to try to download our app and you just type in City Church, it's gonna be really hard to find us. If you go to our face to Facebook and just type in City Church, it's really difficult to find us because it's a very popular name. There's tons of city churches. So if we look at, at what this story is showing us about change, the why determines whether the change is good or bad, we really need to rebrand. We need a new name that provides clarity to who we are. And that is just another step in us continuing to grow up since we were planted in January of 2014. 
So God is leading us on a journey. And the first step of that journey for us as a collective is to begin to release the old. So we're not gonna talk about new names today, our elders and leadership. We've been talking and praying through this and over the course of this series, we'll get there. But today it's just about understanding the why, praying about the why, wrestling with the why, and then beginning to mentally release that old name so that when it's time, we're ready to embrace the new. So that's the journey that we're on as a collective, as a group. And it's hard as a collective, but I think it's equally, maybe even more difficult on an individual level, right? There's a song that we sang earlier called Place of Freedom. And some of us are are sitting here today and we're thinking, Jesus, I want to walk in the freedom you promised. Like you're singing that song, you're like, yes, I want my life to be a place of freedom. But here's the deal, Jesus, I'm not really giving you all my time. Like my time's really valuable. So Jesus, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you an hour and 15 minutes at a gathering. And then I'm gonna give you community group. Maybe we can talk about like an A-team, which is our name for disciple-making groups, maybe once a month. But, but Jesus, outside of that, I'm done. Some of these Jesus followers, they're crazy. They're like, get up early to read their Bible. That's dumb, I like to sleep. Or they stay up late and they put their phone down to read their Bible. Again, Dom, I like my phone and I like to sleep. Jesus, I'll give you this time. And look, Jesus, I'm so generous with my time. Like, we all know that the gatherings at City Church, that they usually run over a little bit. They can't get it done in an hour and 15 minutes. So I'm even giving you like extra time. So, so Jesus, like, it's bonus. So Jesus, would you make my life a place of freedom in this section of time I'm giving you? And we say that we're trying to pour the new coffee into the old latte. And it just doesn't work. Some of us are sitting here thinking, man, Jesus, I need to just follow you with my whole life. But Jesus, have you, you, you know my career? Do you know how successful I am? Jesus, I've seen these crazy messed up Jesus followers turn down promotions so they can have more time with their wife and kids. That's dumb, choose money. I don't understand what they're doing. I've worked hard for my degree. I've climbed the ladder. I started at the bottom and now I'm here. Whatever song you wanna play as your theme song, I am, I've arrived. And Jesus, I'm not gonna give you my career. So I'll give you my family. I'll give you different things. But Jesus, I'm driving the car when it comes to my career. And Jesus says, ah. It just doesn't work. You're trying to take me and combine me into your old life and it never, it never works. You can't take the new coffee and pour it in the old latte. So our struggle with living this out is releasing the old. We can come in this place and we know that we want to follow Jesus but it's so hard for us to release the old, and Jesus, in all his wisdom, he addresses that in verse 39. Here's what he says, he says, and no one, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. This change is hard. And the longer we sit around and hang on to the old, the harder it is 
to let go of it. Jesus, I, I know that I should begin to talk to my friend about you, but how's that gonna change our friendship? That's like my best friend, and I've never brought you up, and, and, I, and I, what will I do without them? What if they don't like me? Jesus, like, how do I navigate this? We're holding on to the old. Jesus, I know I should probably change majors. Jesus, I know I should go to Australia for this semester. Jesus, I know I should do these things, but, but man, like, well, what about the extra classes? What if I graduate later? What about my friends? What about all this stuff? And we just cling to the old, and Jesus says, look, that's so common. The longer we hold on to the old, the more we just say, ah, you know what? The old is good, and that's called settling. So we've gotta ask the question, what do we need to release? And we've gotta be so careful that we don't place such a high value on the old that we never let it go so we can embrace the new that Jesus is inviting us into. And, and if you wanna know how this plays out, if you wanna know how clinging to the old plays out, it's the Pharisee story. See, the Pharisees, they had their rituals, they had their traditions, they had their way of life. And Jesus was inviting them to step aside from all that, to release all of that in order to make every aspect of their lives revolve around him. And they thought about just adding him in but in their old way of life, they had a routine and they had rituals and they had status and they would not let go. So in the end, the Pharisees played a huge role in actually killing Jesus. They're trying to kill the new way in order to preserve the old. But unbeknownst to them, this was all part of God's plan because three days after his murder that the Pharisees played a huge role in, God raised Jesus from the dead. And the movement, the new way of Jesus picked up steam. It could not be stopped. But the Pharisees, they pressed on. They began to torture and persecute and even kill some of the early Jesus followers. But the harder they tried to hold on to the old, the more it slipped away. In fact, there was this young Pharisee, and he was really like a protege. He was brilliant, and he was growing up, and he was zealous and just passionate about killing Christians and chasing them down until he met Jesus. And then everything changed when he let go of the old, embraced the new way of Jesus. His whole life began to revolve around him, and we call him Paul, and he wrote over half of this, about half of the second portion of the Bible called the New Testament. And Paul, this protege Pharisee, walked away from that to Jesus, embraced the new, and he's really one of the big reasons we're here because he was instrumental in taking the story of Jesus to people who aren't Jewish. So if you're here today and you're not Jewish, we owe it to Paul. And then a few decades after Jesus rose from the dead, the temple, which was the very symbol of all the Pharisees' ritual and all that they stood for, it was destroyed. And with their own eyes, they could see the old way literally crumble. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be my story. A friend of mine, it's actually Alex's brother-in-law. He's part of a church plant in Vegas. He uprooted himself and moved to Vegas, and he says this, people don't change unless the pain of changing, excuse me, people don't change unless the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. That people don't change unless the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. And then he's looked at people's lives and you know, sadly, 
That's often true, but can we just agree that's a terrible way to live? It's like, I'm just gonna wait until I hit rock bottom and it's all terrible, my life's shattered, and then I'll change. Then I'll maybe, when the old is literally crumbling out of my hands, then I'll maybe think about following Jesus. Then I'll maybe think about doing what Jesus wants me. That's a terrible way to live. That's a life of settling, and Jesus has called us to so much more. And so in my life, this past year, in 2016, it was a year of change for me, and I finished up my seventh year teaching at Bradley Central High School, and I taught there, and I coached. And then you guys, our church, gave me the opportunity to come on full-time. And what that meant is that I could continue to coach. I continue to be around my football guys that I love so dearly, but I had to for release teaching. And here's what that looks like. I had to walk away from a guaranteed retirement. I was seven years in. If I could just hang on for three more years, then, then at 10 years, I'm vested in their retirement program. And then I've got that no matter what happens. Trust me, people explain this. Then I'm also walking away from success from a routine, and I'm not saying that to be arrogant, I'm saying God had given me a gift to teach and I was able to find my niche in that and do that and God had empowered me in that role and so I'm successful, I've got this guaranteed retirement, a guaranteed salary, I know what I'm doing, I mean, it's just a routine, I've got it, and yet God said, leave that into a job you, you've never done before, a full-time role at the church. Never done that, gotta figure that out. And so as people often said, man, isn't there a way you can like combine the two? Couldn't you work just a little bit at the school and then be at the church? And couldn't you, you know, kind of still teach a little bit to stay invested in that retirement program and to have that guaranteed salary and to have all that? Couldn't you just kind of cling to the old? Can't you take the, the new coffee and pour it in the old latte? And can't you just make it work? And Jesus was like, no. And as I prayed and, and as I took the question of why before Jesus and said, Jesus, the why determines whether change is good or bad. What do you want me to do? Jesus said, you've gotta let go of teaching because if you ever wanna be a dad, if you wanna continue to grow as a husband, you don't have time to teach and coach and pastor. It can't happen. So it was very clear what I needed to do. And, and one time I was talking to Whitney and I was telling, and Whitney's my wife, if you don't know her, and I was just saying, you know, people are saying I need to, to just cling to the old, but, but here's the deal. I don't wanna look back 15 years from now and think what if. Sure, it's an unknown. Sure, it's a change. But I don't want to look back and think, man, what if I just taken that risk? What if I just embraced that change? What if I just let go of the old? I don't want to live with regret. And so I did it. And to be honest, I've never looked back. I love what I'm doing. And as we look at this series, that, that change has created more stress in my life and it's led to more change. And I'm gonna be sharing about that as we go throughout this series. It's not been just peaches and cream, but I know 100% I'm where I'm supposed to be. And God gave me the ability to release the old and embrace the new. And he's gonna give you that same ability. So the band's gonna come on up. And so as we reflect on this opportunity to start this journey of rebranding with the rebranding of change. The question is, what do you, what do I need to release? See, change is an irreplaceable component of progress. If we want to move forward, we have to embrace change on some level. And if you're in the room and you're thinking, do I need to change or do I not? Ask the question why. The why determines whether change is good or bad. And then when God is leading us to change, 
at that point, we have to ask him, God, what do you want me to release? Because trust me, it's worth it. Trust Paul, who wrote almost half of the New Testament, it's worth it. Trust the disciples whose whole lives revolved around Jesus. It is worth it. So if you're here today and you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus or questions, period, there'll be somebody from the refuge room underneath the exit sign. Go and talk to them. And maybe you're here and you walked in and you're not a Jesus follower. And at this point, you're like, I don't understand it all, but I wanna know more or I just wanna follow Jesus. I've done it my way, the old way, my way. I've done it and it's not working and I want the new way of Jesus. I want him to begin to reorient my life so it all revolves around him. Please talk to somebody. Talk to the person in the refuge room. Grab somebody who came with. Find me. Deal with God. And for all of us in the room, I think God is wanting us to release something because he has incredible, incredible plans for us. So what is he wanting us to release? And will we in these next few moments take the first step towards doing that? Jesus, would you please empower us? We, we cannot, cannot in any way do this on our own. Would you please move in powerful ways? In your name we pray.